This is the Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheiman, brought to you by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. All right, let's do this. Welcome to the Midlife Mail Podcast. I am your host, Greg Scheinman. Thank you guys for being here today. If you like what you hear, give us that five-star review. Subscribe to the program on iTunes. Help us build up our audience. Our mission is to help midlife guys live their biggest and best and brightest lives possible. I am super excited to have today Mr. Matt D'Amour. He is the chief wellness carrier. We'll get into what that means in a minute of Tribe 9 Foods. These guys create delicious, nourishing, and functional food to improve the lives of others. Some of their brands are Taste Republic, RP's Pasta Company, and Ona, along with one of my personal favorites, Yum Butter. This is a world-changing nut butter. That is the product itself that Matt was the founder of. We're going to get into that story as well, how he started that business, how he built it up, how he has parlayed that into Tribe 9 Foods and all of the really cool stuff that they are doing. So let's get into it. Matt Demore, Chief Wellness Carrier, Tribe 9 Foods, founder of Yum Butter on the Midlife Mail podcast today. Hey, I am super excited to be on the phone today with Matt Demore, the Chief Wellness Carrier at Tribe 9 Foods. So Matt, thanks for being here today on the Midlife Mail podcast. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. So this is cool. It's actually the first time I've done two episodes in the same day. So I got, did one this morning, uh, <laughs> and I got you on the phone this afternoon. Cool. And, and different stuff, you know, just always comes up every time you talk to somebody, either in person or, or on the phone. And there are a couple of things that are refreshing my mind from coming off of this morning. And the first thing I wanted to ask you about is what exactly is a chief wellness carrier? How did you come up with this this title, and what does this really mean? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So we'll kind of start back. So the roots, my true passion um, is really in improving people's lives. Um, So I come from a holistic health background, um, of which that, you know, basically is the funnel and the lens in which I see Things through, and I believe that um, you know, when working with people and organizations, starting at the foundational level of the of the person that you're working with, always emanates out. Um, and so, I also love to play around with words and and have fun. I think you know, the standard you know, chief this or that is kind of uh, mundane and boring. So I like to kind of uh, turn things up. Um, but the chief wellness carrier um, is is you know that one who kind of ensures people's general well-being. Um, and but technically, um, I run kind of the sales and, and marketing department. Um, but really, in essence, like I do that through that lens of, uh, of kind of making sure that everyone's cared for. <laughs> and this is also relatively new for you with regards to the role of Tribe 9 Foods because – and, and uh, take me through this and, and where I'm accurate or, or my – Sure. You started as the entrepreneur and the founder of Yum Butter. 
with mm-hmm. which uh, you still are, and now you have an arrangement with Tribe Nine Food. Explain yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So last year um, in February, we had the really cool opportunity to bring three amazing um, uh, natural food companies together. Um, there was two Madison-based companies, um, RP's Pasta, which makes fresh um, traditional and gluten-free pasta, as well as Yum Butter. Um, and we had known each other and actually had our uh, facilities within blocks um, of each other. And then a good friend of mine um, who was making some incredible food out in uh, Colorado, um, Chris Fuel, from Ona Foods. And um, as the natural food space was changing, things becoming you know, increasingly more competitive, more costly, um, you know, really making, um, having manufacturing being very important to your kind of overall business strategy, there was, you know, the idea to what happens if we could be stronger together than we are individually. Um, and so that's really where the the initial seed was was planted for the creation of Tribe 9. Um, and then we um, brought some other folks in that helped facilitate and kind of, um, you know, bring everyone together. We raised some additional um, funds to help kind of with our growth and um, built out a a brand new, beautiful facility here in Madison, Wisconsin, where we're processing our own food as well as uh, opening that up to some contract manufacturing. So that's um, the evolution of of where um, Yum Butter came from and where we are now. And it's really cool because, um, you know, you have three founders, um, who are now a part of their same organization, but it's it's a lot more than what it was before. And we felt that in order to stay competitive, in order to diversify, in order to um, really position ourselves for um, growth and more opportunities, this model made a lot more sense to us than just kind of um, that single track that we were all on individually. Sure. If, if I could backtrack a little bit, to to the individual story and at sure. the start of yeah, how did you choose or what was the impetus for for Yum Butter itself? How did you know? There's there's so many there's products, mm-hmm. so many things you know, and, and ideas going around, and I'm sure you had tons of them. How did you settle on what ultimately became Yum Butter? Yeah, absolutely. So um, at the time, it was myself and and actually uh, another co-founder, Adrian Reef. And when we came together, there was uh, multiple things happening. One was our just pure um, love and um, of the food itself. So we had both um, been growing up eating tons and tons of, you know, peanut butter and jelly as a lot of kind of American children do or did. And um, so just generally loved uh, nut butter. And then um, as we kind of evolved and I got into a lot more um, holistic health, I've been experimenting with a bunch of different, um, you know, formulas and, you know, sprouting nuts and seeds and adding, you know, really health boosting inclusions Um And so that was one part. The second part, which was almost more important, I always tell this uh, part of the story, is is the why was almost, uh, if not more important than the what. And when Adrian and I got together, it was we had been, you know, very fascinated with business models and structures and the traditional model of how businesses were being run in general didn't seem very sustainable um, and uh, just, you know, potentially didn't look at the entire picture for the cause. And so we looked at companies that were doing really cool stuff like Patagonia, which is one of our mentor companies and said, you know what, there's a, you know, we really need to jump on this bandwagon of of using our, our business platform for positive change. And we felt that business was one of the best platforms to create bigger change because of the ripple effect that it could have. 
Um, and then lastly, the category itself at the time, and now this was about nine years ago, was still rather stagnant. So you didn't see the sheer amount of, of nut butter companies that we see today in the space. Innovation was lacking. And so we took all of those three ideas and principles and and um, and created Yum Butter. And, you know, so Yum Butter is this, um, you know, it's a nut butter company, obviously with a, a gigantic heart and um, a, uh, a philosophy that we want to use our platform to be an example of the, the types of businesses that we want to see out there. It's, that's awesome stuff. What types of initiatives or things really fire you guys up and charge you up that you're that you're going after that you've got yum butter and, and but again your time your energy your approach involved with mm-hmm. in in regards to like the business model itself or kind of currently now in terms of where we're at now i think a little a, a little bit of both which is which is always good whichever part yeah. you'd like to answer or where you'd want to go because i always like to try to put stuff out there and say, you know, where do you want to, yeah. where do you want to yeah. take it and, and be asked about or talk about? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. So, um, I mean, ultimately I would love to have Yum Butter eventually be uh, a lifestyle brand and a legacy brand. And again, I think of some of those very classic iconic brands um, that people can identify with and that ultimately make them feel good and happy and that they can trust. Um, so whatever the shape that takes in terms of, you know, um, specific types of food. So obviously we're in, we're in uh, nut butters now, but if that means extending outside of that category, extending into even other foods or even other, you know, um, products, I'm open to that. Um, for me, it's really continuing to build a bigger platform where um, more cool stuff can happen, uh, more positive change, and uh, ultimately, you know, we can, uh, you know, keep being sustainable. Um, so that's a little bit of a bigger a bigger answer, but that's you know ultimately where I like to take things. Yeah, um, a, a little bit more direct shot on that and ask, mm-hmm. who's Yum Butter's customer? Like, who's yeah. your customer? Who's carrying Yum Butter? I mean, I know we got mm-hmm. introduced um, through Eric. Through Eric Hinman, great yep. profile, great guy, great athlete. I mean, yep. living this unbelievable life out out there. <laughs> Certainly mm-hmm. looks that way for, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, I go okay, and this guy's popping yum butter and taking it yep. put up and go, okay, who doesn't yep. want to be that, you know, and right. do that. Yep. but what are you thinking um, in terms of, you know, who is your, who really is a yum butter customer? Who's part of that lifestyle? Sure. Um, so I've, you know, kind of identified uh, three major buckets, but it's definitely showing to be a lot more. One is, um, you know, we'll call them the, lifestyle athlete or the on the go person, which kind of encompasses most people these days, right? So anyone who is on the go, whether that means you're picking up your kids from soccer practice, whether that means you're a business guy and you're traveling four days a week, whether that means, you know, uh, you're a student and you're cruising between class. Um, anyone who is kind of on the, on the go, moving and grooving, who wants to have a sustainable you know, kind of higher nutrient dense organic snack with them. So that's number one is in, you know, specifically referring to that pouch. Um, two is we, you know, a lot of athletes are, are still beginning to um, shift from a more of a carbo- carbohydrate type of fuel during racing and stuff um, to more of a, uh, a protein and fat, realizing that that's a, a better fuel source. So we're getting some athletes. Um, and then I'll throw in the, the conscious consumer. So that's defined as 
um, you know, that type of shopper who wants to know um, what type of company they're supporting by purchasing their food. Um, they want to know um, where their stuff is sourced. They want to know exactly what's in their food. Um, a lot of times, um, kind of without completely uh, isolating this, this crowd, but it's the millennials, right? So they're more, I would say, apt to understand that and really want to research and spend time on um, the companies that they're supporting um, than potentially kind of the older generation. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, uh, just a slew of, of others as well. We see a lot of um, uh, older population, like like in the probably 70s, and they that's more of like the size um, and they're, they really like that and the fact that they can just squeeze it out. Um, but to try to narrow it down to be those three buckets that I, that I shared just now. You mentioned uh, a little, a little ways back about Patagonia being a mentor company mm-hmm. yeah. in there. Um, yep. and, and as an entrepreneur or other entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs out there, how does one go about getting a mentor company? Especially yeah. one, I mean, that's a giant company yeah. also out there. Um, what was the, the route you took to get either a relationship there or, then, or to become a mentor company with, with an entity like Patagonia? Yeah, so that's a great question. I guess I'll define that. So for us, the mentor company was just studying their business model. So we didn't have any um, you know, formal direct communication with them, but obviously Yvonne Chouinard has a few books out, always kind of uh, being public about their initiatives um, seeing, you know, their messaging um, and really just studying their company um, and understanding kind of what they're doing, how they're going about it, and the response that they're getting. And um, they've always been really cool about staying, at least in my perspective, um, grounded, but yet pushing the envelope in, in non-traditional ways um, where it makes sense and where people are like, yes, thank you. I wish someone was doing this. Why haven't others done this, you know, forever? Um, so that's really when I say that mentorship company, it's more kind of uh, from a distance per se than actually, you know, um, having that direct connection with them. Although I, I would love to be able to do that too. Well, we'll take this. We'll send it on. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. So, but here's something that I don't think maybe everybody gets or, or kind of wants to know, which is, you know, again the. A little bit of a story kind of behind the story. You know, it's one mm-hmm. thing to see the product on the shelf and to see it on social media and it's packaged great and it looks yep. great and it, ta- and it tastes great. But talk to me a little bit about kind of that initial startup phase, you know, that mm-hmm. R&D where, you know, you've got this idea, you know, are you guys mixing up stuff in the kitchen of your house? You know, how do you yeah. find the right manufacturer, co-packer, yeah. you know, uh, how yeah. many missteps along the way of the branding? And now we got to, yeah. oh, we got to get this shit into stores. So you mean it's got yeah. a barcode on it. I mean, there's mm-hmm. all of this mm-hmm. non-glamorous stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that goes into creating a brand and launching a brand and even calling something a brand before it is fully even entrenched enough to be even mm-hmm. considered a brand. And you're, and you're out mm-hmm. there trying to just find your little space in the world, you know, your little yeah. place on a shelf or selling it, you know, into one CrossFit box at a time or whatever the model was. And that stuff just fascinates me. And I think there's a, mm-hmm. there's kind of a perception sometimes where people jump from, you know, from point A all the way out to, to Z. And there's so much in between. 
there. Mm. So I, I love the startup aspect of it. Like, yeah. did you, did Yum have a different name? Did it have a totally different logo? And you look back on it now and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And there's lots of parts of that question, so I'll try to um, answer them all. But you know, the the big picture is we were clueless. Um, we had absolutely no idea what we were doing, except for we were incredibly passionate. We could problem solve, and and we were good uh, at asking questions and being humble. Um, and so I come from a family of, uh, small business owners. So my mom and my dad, um, we, we were in the resort business actually up in this little, um, kind of central town in Wisconsin, um, in the hospitality business. And so, you know, I grew up understanding just the fundamental nuts and bolts of business, which is you do what you say, you say what you do, you treat people well, you, you know, you, you don't burn bridges and, you know, just kind of like the block and tackling of business in life. And so, I basically said, if I if I can fundamentally have this, I can teach myself. Um, now, looking back on it, I wish I would have probably done a little bit more research, and I would have saved myself a tremendous amount of time and a lot of money. And uh, <laughs> but you, you do what you can. And so we actually started, and it was like I said, we were like, oh, okay, well, we actually bought a Black and Decker food processor at a Home Depot in Madison. And we went to a friend who owned a bake shop, and we said, Anne-Marie, uh, I think we there's a thing called a commercial kitchen, we found out, and, and we need to we need to do that in order to make food. And so we started making four-pound batches of nut butter and putting them into plastic tubs without a label and riding them on our bike to the farmer's market here in town for the first two and a half years. And people were lining up, and we're like, oh, this is interesting. People are buying our food. And we'd tell them our story and doing, you know, why we were doing what we were doing, and on some level, not, you know, knowing what we're up to. And then throughout the stages and in all the way through, um, even till today, you know, um, a lot of it is, I always say, scratching your own itch. Um, So we figured, you know, let's make this thing for, you know, a demographic of one. And I know there's more people out there like Adrian and I who are going to want to connect to the food like we are. So let's just find those people. Um, and let's continue doing things. And also the one thing that Yum Butter has done throughout is just we've been super authentic. And I think um, a lot of people yearn for authenticity these days, not only, you know, for themselves, but also through a brand, and they connect to that, and they can feel that, and they can sense it. Um, And so for us, um, you know, as we started building stuff, you know, we had, you know, as you were referring to, like, did it go through different name changes? We had – you know, Yum Butter was always there. We had different taglines. We played around forever. Our initial logo was very um, illustrative, so it was um, uh, like a kid's logo. And um, there was like, you know, the Yum Butter almost painted and, and nut butter. And we had a elephant on the logo that was had a, a peanut coming out of its mouth. And <laughs> it, I mean, it was just like, you know, when we went from a plastic tub to a little sticker on on the top that we made on Photoshop to a glass jar. And and I think we're on version like probably 15 of the label and then we transitioned through the jars probably three or four versions of the labels to then we had the pouch plus the jars and um, then we did a full rebrand about uh, five years ago and that's when we got the new look and and everything so it's it's cool to see the evolution of the outward appearance but the 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 bones and the why and the mission and the vision has never changed and that's something that like um, I feel like as a business you got to know your north star and um how it shows up um, in terms of the the format or the product or or the location, um, that's where you can have flexibility and stay open and kind of listen to what people are sharing with you, the market, you know, the feedback, and got to be willing to 
you know, adjust and move. And, and for us, we knew that the jars um, was a great base, but we just didn't have, we didn't have the capital. And that's the other thing too, is, um, you know, one of the areas that I think I would have done much differently is I've probably capitalized the business up front a little bit differently to take advantage of some of our um, early kind of um, innovation in the packaging. Um, but again, all is, all is perfect in 2020 uh, in hindsight, but um yeah, so long answer to your to your question. We made every mistake possible. Uh, we continue to make mistakes, but I love, you know, for me, I'm uh, pretty much an experiential learner, so I got to put it into my cells as opposed to read about it or, or hear about it from somebody and actually really learn it, and then I know it's it's good and I got it for the rest of my life. Um, but uh, aligning ourselves, too, with, with really amazing people was, was helped to shave off some, you know, um, really big things that we just had no idea how to tackle um, and uh, just took it one day at a time. Was, was there an, kind of a, an aha moment or an account you got or some shelf space you picked up or, or something that came out where you said, okay, we, we got this now. You know, we've, we've felt it a little bit, as you were saying, at the farmer's market, never yep. grow it, but was there kind of a tipping point or something where you felt like, okay, this is – we we made the right call. Like this passion mm-hmm. is now really turning into a business and mm-hmm. and profit, and we're onto something. And, and this is we can take this yum butter product and again scale it into becoming a full on lifestyle brand. We got mm-hmm. this together. Yeah, the one hundred percent defining moment was uh, two thousand and fourteen when we went to the Natural Products Expo show in Anaheim, which is the annual kind of largest uh, trade show convention for the, the natural products and beyond industry. Um, and that was the first year we brought the pouch and we launched the pouch and we showed up and uh, we had, again, we went into that show with no brokers, no distributors, no really key retailers except for our few little shops that we had here in Madison. And we came in there and um, we, it was incredibly well received. We were a, a next denomination, which is like some of the best innovative foods of that year um, we came out with brokers, distributors on the West Coast, and some key accounts, and we're like, holy shit, uh, okay, I, I guess the business has started. Um, and we, you know, didn't think, um, you know, it was going to happen because a lot of times in, I think in life and in business, you, you have this huge idea, but then all of a sudden you potentially don't really believe in it. And until it happens and you're like, wow, it's, oh, okay, here it goes, you know, like, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that for us was that moment where we came back and we said, okay, yeah, this is, we're going for it. You know, we're going to, we're going to go in and um, we're going to make a run at it. Um, And that's when we really started to dissect and understand how to start scaling um, and and what it was going to take. And, uh, you know, again, took it day by day from there. You know, which is awesome. You know, you look for that kind of validation and you go to some of these places. And first, I guess you have to identify a show. You know, where do we want to go? What's the right show to go to? Do what size booth do we take, you know, and how do we display mm-hmm. yeah. budget for budget yeah. for all of that stuff? And you get out there and then you think you kinda of hope, you know? Yeah. You get all these people walking by and hopefully some people with a little stroke validate you by placing orders or want to distribute your product or, or so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's certainly confidence building. Um but as an entrepreneur also, the other the other side happens quite a bit too. Kind of that yep. that kick in the gut, you know, where yep. you pitch it and somebody goes, You're out of your mind, you know, also. Mm-hmm. Like that's not mm-hmm. 
have you had a moment or, or moments like that where, you know, obviously they're all learning experiences and you're still going, but said, okay, we, we kind of had high hopes for this and we've had to rebound over, you know, maybe the perception of the response wasn't what we wanted or it hoped yep. for. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, probably a hundred times. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I guess, you know, for us, I'll, I'll speak openly about some of the learning curves that we've had. So when we launched the pouch, um, again, not having and pioneering in that space and not having a ton of comps to, to really um, brush it up against, there was some, there was some kind of functional errors. You know, we had some ceiling technology things that we needed to work out and a lot of people had a not so great experience on that first shake when we really kind of went into the West coast big. Um, and that, that hurt us quite a bit. Um, and so, there were some stores that dropped off that, you know, stopped carrying our food. I think, you know, uh, consumers are very, very, very um, fickle, and they'll usually give something one shot. And if it doesn't perform, there's going to be a 100 other products or types of, you know, nut butters or whatever that they can try. And I think we missed out on having a lot of those customers have a really amazing first experience. Um, so that was, uh, you know one of the, you know, many, many, many of those times when you're like, oh, man, you know, we, we missed on that. But, again, it's, you know, let's pick up, let's pick it up and let's see what we can do to improve it and just, just keep moving on. And I think the the one thing for us is, like, in those numerous times where you get kicked in the gut, as you like to say, just get back up on the horse and keep going um, and kind of don't give up, I guess. And we've had, you know, there was there was probably seven times in the business where it was like, oh man, is this the nail in the coffin? Um, and you're like, no, let's just let's keep riding this thing out and just keep going. Um, and eventually it turns. Yeah, that's that's awesome, awesome stuff as well. And I guess that you know, the theme of the day on this is don't give up because as I said yeah. earlier, today's the it's the first time I've done two of these in the same in the same day. <laughs> and, and I had a guy on this morning, uh, Michael Alfaro, who's the founder co-founder at a at a place called Neo U. If you're familiar mm-hmm. with it, it's a it's a facility um, they're putting up in New York. It's really going to take fitness and technology to the to the next level. Um, and but but the point was, you know, I asked him, hey, do you have a phrase or do you have a motto or do you have some type of philosophy, you know, that you you live by, you go by? And it was exactly that. It was the it was never give up. You know, don't yeah. don't give up because. You're just out there. All of us are out there. We're yeah. grinding. We're working. We believe yeah. passionately in what it is that we're building and what we're doing, whatever the widget may be, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's it's nut butters or whether it's trying to build a technology platform that is going to change the fitness industry, whatever whatever it may be, those bumps in the road are going to be out yeah. there. And sometimes they're going to seem insurmountable, but the guys that are able to persevere and not give up and ride it and pivot, Mm-hmm. become those 20 year overnight successes exactly mm-hmm. yeah and i think it, it, there's like uh there's a misperception and you see those 20 year um uh, overnight successes as you referred to and a lot of people think it's easy you know um and uh i was I, I get some of these quotes that come through in my my inbox and one of them i read this was a while back but it stuck with me and actually was by harrison ford and he said the only reason why i am where i am is because i was the last one to get off the bus and I always keep that in my mind, which is just like stick at it. And like, you know, over time, if you keep that intention and you keep sourcing, like it will, it might morph and mold into something completely different than what your original intention was, but that's fine too. Um, but just but keep at it. 
And, you know, something has to happen. Who knows? But something will happen if you keep going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, no doubt on that. So let's chat a little bit about that transition or, or the growth from sure. Yum Butter into Tribe 9 Foods. Yeah. And partnering up, you all kind of having, no pun intended, more cooks in the kitchen, you know, more right. staff. Yep. And and how you how you do that, how you approach partnerships and how you approach relationships right. as your business grows and as more products and ideas come into the mix. Uh, what's what's your take on that? Yeah. So, you know, we um it's always an interesting process and you know, we're still fine tuning everything, but I think we've come you know, a long, long way, obviously bringing three different cultures together. Um, having three founders who are usually, you know, used to leading and running the ship on their own, now a part of a bigger team. Um, but the cool part is that, you know, when we came together, the philosophies, the mindsets, the vision, the mentalities, all were like incredibly aligned. Um, and also having, you know, uh, personal relationships amongst each other always helps. Um, and so for us, it's, it's constantly... Um, you know, what we're doing now is really understanding truly, truly, truly where we can become even, you know, from good to great um, and kind of stick within that wheelhouse where we can, um, you know, kind of trim those other areas that um, we were previously doing because we had to, but now we got a bigger team in place. And so for us, the team has always been like the biggest part of um, being able to, to create Tribe 9 because for me, um Yum Butter, obviously, we started our, with our very small manufacturing. This was way back in the day. We then outsourced it, then we brought it back in-house. But, you know, I, I, you know, very openly have, I'm terrible with understanding how to build plants and, you know, HACCP plans and food safety and all that kind of stuff. But the folks that we partnered up with were masters at that. They, mm-hmm. on, the, on, the, on the contrary, potentially weren't as good about building the brand and connecting with the people and places where we needed to be. And so that's where I could bring value. So we kind of, um, you know, covered our blind spots, per se, um, with coming together. Um, but again, it takes work, right? It's just like uh, any relationship, um, a marriage or other partnership. Like we're constantly, you know, fine-tuning and working at it. Um, but it's it's been fun to to be able to have... Um, you know, a group of people working towards that same common goal. So, yeah. As a leader, CEO, founder, um, what have you learned about saying yes and also saying no? You know, opportunities Mm -hmm. that may present themselves that you've chosen to walk away from um, Mm -hmm. or the choices that you made to go forward in, in certain directions. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm asking selfishly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Top, top of mind, coming out of a, a meeting yesterday in Dallas with a, with a large opportunity, you know, yep. for, for my business and my firm. And, but philosophically, we're not really sure if it's the right fit mm-hmm. you know, in there for, for us to engage. And, yep. and I talk about this a lot with different people about having the, the confidence or, or what confidence, but what is the process that you go through to determine whether or not the smarter play, the better play, whatever it may be sometimes is to, is to walk away, you know, mm-hmm. how do things align and fit with your vision? And I would imagine 
how important that is, especially for somebody in your position, when you're really committing to building a lifestyle brand that has to stand for something. Yeah, super awesome question. Um, so I would start off by saying, saying no, I think is incredibly tough. Um, I think the the classic like just say yes mentality, although maybe some wisdom in there can get you into a lot of trouble. Um, I think it's very tempting to always say yes and then become fragmented. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've kind of got a lot of books going, but there's a, you know, an essentialism is a, is a book that I've kind of dabbled into. And it's, it's scary when you start piecing that apart and you're like, wow, okay, like you really need to create a bunch of space for something that you really, really like that makes the most sense to come in. Um, and, uh, I, you know, when it was just the, the Yum Butter team, I would put principles in place that said, you have to say five no's in order to get to a yes. That was kind of like my standard rule because it's like I want you to get so good at assessing the fluff so that when that one thing comes in that would take up all the time that those five things are going to take up, that's going to have 20 times the impact of that, I want you to have enough room on your plate to say yes. Um, so I think getting into a rhythm and a um, you know um, uh, practice of feeling comfortable to say no. And it actually goes back to some basic principles, which is do you actually know how to deliver a no in a way that doesn't, you know, make you feel uncomfortable or offend somebody or upset somebody or how to have really clear communication and boundaries around like, hey, thank you so much for that, but, you know, we're going to pass or just, you know, because I think so many people are worried about hurting people's feelings or they'll say yes and then they'll kind of, you know, eventually cancel or whatever. Um, But, uh, I mean, for us here, you know, it really just lays out all the variables and um, kind of goes back to, well, what are we trying to do and bounce it off the North Star? Um, does it make sense from, a, you know, a capital investment standpoint? Do we need any resources? Is it going to take away from other aspects of the business? Ultimately, you know, a lot of times it comes down to, do we like the people that we're working with? Is this cool? Are they going to be fun? You know, is, are they going to, are they going to make our life hell and be super dictating? You know, they might dangle a gigantic PO carrot number in front of us, but if, you know, they're going to be a pain in our ass, then, you know, and you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of times, you know, you gotta, you gotta weigh that into the factor too. So, yeah. Absolutely. Not only do I know what you're saying, but I may just cut this minute and a half right out, send it straight to the guy I met with yesterday. Yeah. Here, what would you do if you were me? You know? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's think this through. I know mm-hmm. you're sympathetic, right? You know what mm-hmm. it is that was passed down to you. You know what you're trying to pass pass along to me. What would you do? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We might be better off just having sitting down and having burgers together. You know? Right. <laughs> and not doing. <laughs> Not doing right. this deal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Do you take do you take home with you? Do you let things go easily and move on? You know, or do you kinda stew on them? I mean these there's a lot to wrestle with in that founder position too, because I always want to be very you know, it's very personal. You're so close to these products and these businesses that you create. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, repeat the first part? You were uh, going out a little bit there. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. I was just asking if if you take it, take things personally, yeah. you know, and how much do you hold on to them, or <laughs> are you kind of able to let go and, uh, and, and yeah. move on? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, something I'm working on, um, but uh, it's challenging. Like, I, I take it, 
I know, I don't know if you've read the book, The Four Agreements, but one of the, one of the agreements is don't take anything personally. Something I struggle with a lot. Um, I put like my heart and every single part of my being is in specifically, you know, the Yum Butter brand. And it's like, that's my expression of me in some sense into the world, right? And so um, I know also that it's way, way, way beyond me. Um, and so I have a tremendous, uh, I'm working on boundaries and I'm working on being able to not take it home and create space, but it is with me 24-7. It's what I think about all the time. It's, I mean, I'm constantly, it's how my brain is wired to, to the T. So um, I know that in order for me to continue to have balance in my life, um, that separation is going to be needed. Um, however, I'm just trying to figure out, like, during different times of the business life cycle, there might need to be a time where I'm a little bit out of balance. And then there'll be a time when I can kind of come more into balance. And so not to get so staunch and strict on when that can happen, but eventually over time as a whole to try to balance it out. But that's, it's just something I actually struggle with a lot. Yeah. I love that you mentioned the four agreements. It's, Absolutely one of my favorites. I was turned on to that book by my own my own coach. A couple of years ago, um, I got referred to a guy. He's become a huge part of my life, uh, Chris Bernal. And I rely on him for so much more than I actually originally retained him for, you know, to mm-hmm. come in. Um, mm-hmm. And he handed me this book. And I think I've probably bought about 30 copies of it so far mm-hmm. to hand out to <laughs> to different people, you know, mm-hmm. at different times. Um, Cause I was getting tired of giving the first copy out and trying to get it back and then give it to somebody else mm-hmm. in there. Uh, but it's such a great book and I learned so much from it. And it's absolutely incre- incredibly challenging still to, to try to live by those four agreements. Right. Still. Yep. But it's an awesome tool to continue to, to refer back to. Um, and I actually, I mean, indirectly you answered with that and then you brought that up. But it's almost been a question of mine, both personally and professionally, to, to different people, to even ask people if they've heard of it at mm-hmm. all. And, mm-hmm. and if they have, they're usually this really interesting, like-minded person, you know, you know is working right. towards something. And if right. they're not, no, no harm, no foul. They just totally. haven't found it yet, you know? But right, yeah. Here you go. You need, to, you need to check this out. If you like it, we're probably really cool with one another. If you really yeah. don't, <laughs> you know, yeah. we may have answered our own questions right there, too. Right, so, exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh, what's, your, what's your routine? What's your, do you have a daily practice? I mean, you've talked yeah. about being incredibly holistic. Um, yeah. What's your, what's your situation on a, on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll give uh, the you know, listeners a little bit of context. So, you know, I'm, I'm a single um, 37-year-old male. So uh, I, I, you know, this may be different than folks with, you know, significant others or children or whatnot, but just all in context. So um, typically... Um, you know, the buckets in my day that I always make sure I try to prioritize is going to be, you know, kind of sleep, personal time, um, food, and then just kind of rest and relaxation. Um, and I always, you know, see where I can adjust those in terms of priorities. So when I wake up, I usually am a more of a morning workout person. So I'll wake up and I'll spend um, coming the first maybe 10, 15 minutes just uh, kind of in silence and meditation a little bit wake up um, and 
will head to the gym, come home, and then, you know, make myself a nice breakfast. And I usually, I make sure to to take care of my food. That's something that I don't need to chance a lot. So I'm always packing my food and prepping food and, you know, through the whole thing. Um, and uh, I love cold water therapy. So um, as much as I can take either cold showers, I live on a lake. So in fall in Wisconsin, I get to jump in when the, the temperatures are plummeting. And um, I try to implement some of the the Wim Hof breathing. I don't know if you guys, if anyone knows about that, but there's a lot of really yeah. cool stuff happening with that type of work. So I don't do that to the max. Um, and uh, so I'll do that. The food. Um, I usually like to build in, you know, some segment of my day where it's, there's just me and there's nothing else. There's no kind of stimulation coming in. So just me either meditating or relaxing, drawing something of that, that just allows me to kind of blow off the stress Um and uh, and then community, you know, so to connect in with other people, family, friends. Um, so and then I always like to blanket that with I always say the attitude of gratitude. Um, I think it's really important that we continually hold this perspective of um, just being grateful for what we have um, and realizing that you know most people listening are probably ninety nine point nine percent of the population you know ahead of you know, the majority of people by just waking up with a roof over their head, driving a car, being in an environment that they're not getting shot, um, being able to eat, you know, food or or something like that, having a job to work for, you know, and that that alone puts us into like this upper echelon. So always keeping that in context when like all of a sudden we're getting upset about something that absolutely has zero relevance um, to, <laughs> to anything, you know, in the grander scheme of things. So those are a little bit of, of my routine, but movement's always a big part. Um, and I, I do a lot of stretching, breathing, Tai Chi, Qigong. I like to try to move that around. Um, food is always a huge component and just, you know, obviously I'm, uh, we're in the food manufacturing, so that it, I love creating and just being in the kitchen and connecting in and kind of using that as, as a time to connect. Um, and then just kind of personal care, self downtime. Um, but then also, I mean, anything besides that is usually working. So, Yeah. What's your relationship with with money, either as a motivator, yeah. or as a business driver, yeah. you know, how you approach it, particularly even in, in your space? You know, there are a yeah. lot of ways to go about it mm-hmm. in your space. I think there are companies and brands, and you talked about being authentic and, and the yep. lessons behind it, you know, but there are companies in the space that are looking to get to a certain point and, and sell, you know, or there's yep. a lot of private equity, there's a lot of venture capital, yep. and there's big companies trying to swallow up small ones, or if we can't beat them, join them. Let's just acquire them. So right. And there are those you know, that, that stay independent and grow and, and mm-hmm. scale. And I've worked with with companies and brands on all sides. You know, I love mm-hmm. the, I've been selling this out of the trunk of my car, you know, story, mm-hmm. and now I'm on in 3,000 stores, you know, right. overall. And when they're independent or who fuels them with capital. And I'm always yeah. interested in what, the mindset is or philosophy is the relationship as it pertains to the kind of money and where this goes or what you can use it for and want to do with mm-hmm. it, you know? And so yeah. if, if you would talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I love that question. Um, and I'm going to kind of hit it from a, d- a couple of different angles. So at the, at the root, and I've had a bunch of different relationships, so I'm being very open here about like with me personally. And I think um, how I've seen money um, has, has shifted and through various points in my life. But, at, you know, currently I just see money as energy. Um, and I think a lot of times folks um, potentially 
put a negative association around money and the accumulation of wealth. Um, for me, um, you know, I see it as, as another, uh, you know, kind of fuel for more good, you know. So um, for myself, money has never been at the forefront of kind of my main driver of why I've ever done anything. It's always been from my passion and my heart. However, what I have come to realize is that, like, in order to, to do a lot of those things, to do more good, you actually have to be super, super buttoned up and financially profitable. Um, so I think in, you know, the young butter, younger years where we were a little bit more naive than we were now, you know, the we were like, we were on a quest to save the world, you know, um, but really realizing that in order to save the world, you got to be, you know, you have to have a balance sheet that's super stocked and a P&L that's rocking and that you got to have some extra cash lying around in order to do the cool stuff that you want to do. So for me, um, I love, well, first of all, leading with passion. Um, one of the many things that my, my dad taught me is like, you know, he said, Matt, do what you love and the money will follow. You know, start with the passion. And if you're connected to it enough, the money has to be there because it has to show up. And um, for me, that was like one of the best gifts that I was given to by my dad because it allowed me to not have to realize like, oh, I'm going to take this job or I'm going to only do this for the, for the money. That, like, that, those thoughts, you know, uh, fortunately were never a part of my, my thinking. Um, so, you know, as it translates into now, you know, um, I think as we have and, you know, helping to kind of scale Yum Butter, um, you know, learned about all the different types of, of capital coming into to businesses, um, the people behind them, the institutions behind them, the different nuances around it. Um, it's been incredible. Um, and, you know, definitely not all money is created equal. Um, and I would, you know, kind of throw it out there that like anyone who is scaling a company, just be ultra, ultra, ultra diligent on, um, you know, what what's being offered to you and that you really understand. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that have a really good idea that they're onto something that it hits and they don't know how to scale it financially. And then potentially they, they link up with somebody who um, may or may not have the best intentions. Um, and everyone wants to get their teeth into something that's working and that's scale and that's fast and has the potential for, for success. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think there's any, you know, wrong way. I don't, you know, the whole idea of like, oh, the small startups any better than the huge CPG doing ten billion in sales, and their money's different than that. Like, I, I don't necessarily um, buy into to all of that. I think that it's, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think money is an incredible tool to to do a lot of very cool stuff, and it's also a, a tool that can destruct, you know. And I think it comes back into the the hands of like who are running who are the people who are running the company and making the decisions and what their intentions are and there's nothing wrong of of living an incredibly you know um, abundant life on all areas and I think that should be the goal um, it's just really understanding how that's accumulated and if you're doing things that are you know unethical or that you know just kind of put something out so you, that you can have I think there's that's where I you know um, start to question a little bit but I believe that you know, on some level, there's there's plenty to go around, um, and uh, we can all kind of have our have our hands in in the gigantic pie of of the of the money supply, and um, you know, and create cool stuff and and support each other and do all that you know with it. Yep, really really good perspective on it. Who's out there doing some stuff that you like and and that you admire? Are you there working with some other? 
brands and entrepreneurs or seeing other stuff at, at, at shows? You know, who's who's kind of in your tribe a little bit or that you're keeping your yeah. eye on or that you like and respect, mm-hmm. you know, out there? Awesome question. Um, uh, so let me see here. In the food space, um, you know, there's a lot of amazing kind of smaller brands popping up. Um, let me see here if I can pull out some. Uh, yeah, so here's there's actually one down by you, um, Ladybird Provisions, and she's kind of just getting going. She's doing like, um, if you are you familiar with Bulletproof Coffee? Yeah, um, absolutely. So she's doing these um, pre-made pucks that um, have like the the ghee and the MCT and already built in that you just drop into your blender as opposed to like doing that. So I see a lot of companies that are really on kind of the that cutting edge. Um, personal favorites of mine, again, down by you, the Siete Foods, I think they're really opening up in the grain-free space and doing some amazing stuff. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of cool supplement companies coming out using CBD and, you know, different components that I, I think is yeah. is, is uh, really, really cool. Um, a lot of, you know, just really, you know, people are pushing the envelope on, on what's possible. And, you know, even I was at the outdoor retailer a couple months back and seeing a lot of innovation and and just apparel, clothing. Um, there's a, a shoe company that I love called Lems Shoes out of Boulder. Um, they're doing really cool stuff with, you know, kind of minimalistic um, trails and casual shoes. Um, so those are on the smaller end. But, uh, I mean, so many people are doing really, really cool stuff. And a lot of it, yeah, I just don't even see, um, you know. But Do you particularly kind of market or even gravitate towards kind of companies and people outside necessarily of, of the food and beverage space, but because a lot of times those brands and companies, you know, again, they align with the lifestyle yeah. and integration with like of, of Yum Butter, whether it's an apparel brand again, or a mm-hmm. fitness brand you know, or uh, a studio of some sort, because mm-hmm. like, okay, well, we're kind of the equivalent in the food and beverage space of maybe what you guys are doing, you know, mm-hmm. in your, in your space. Yeah, no, we try to. I mean, we try to cross pollinate all the time. Um, the outdoor channel is a is a is a perfect fit for us. So, folks in that space, whether they be you know, like I said, apparel, backpacks, canoes, stand up paddle boards. Um, so we're you know getting into those environments through like the the um, the show channels, you know, and being present at the expos, mm-hmm. um, doing giveaways on on Instagram and stuff like that connecting in and sending a bunch of free food to their office and say, Hey guys, you know, you probably could use some delicious, awesome snacks. Here's some yum butter, you know, um, thanks so much for being awesome and rocking, you know, no, no strings attached. Um, so yeah, we love to, to build that because again, those consumers are, you know, those folks are a hundred percent our consumer too, you know, who are going to buy a Patagonia down coat. They're going to buy yum butter too. Yep. Have you found, um, from a marketing standpoint, you know, with, with a lot of background you've got in marketing, mm-hmm. advertising, what's been most influential to you guys as far as is it, is it working with kind of ambassadors, like-minded people yeah. and brands? Has it been mm-hmm. running what kind of traditional advertising? Like what, what yeah. have you found to be the most impactful to kind of get the word out and the buzz on, on expanding your, your footprint? Yeah, awesome question. That that answer I think is changing every single day. Um, I believe you know in today's digital and social media world, things are completely different than they were five years ago, let alone ten and completely twenty. So um, I go a little bit old school, um, and 
one of the ways that I decided to try to build Yum Butter, which is probably the most inefficient way, um, but which is through personal connection and that individual and getting like lifelong, um, you know, we call them VIPs, the voracious ingestors of potions. <laughs> we call all of our food potions. But, um, you know, so get somebody who's like, man, I freaking love Yum Butter and I'm a lifer. And for us, it's like I want one lifer compared to 100 one or two offs, you know, because yeah. I want to build that relationship. So that for us is like, you know, we spend a lot of time beating the streets, connecting with folks, doing demos, um, doing shows, consumer shows. Um, so that's been really great. Um, I think hand, you know, having folks, uh, influencers who live the lifestyle, who are doing what you're doing, who are connected to the, the mission and vision, who also know other cool people and getting them food and saying, hey, Tell your friends about Yum Butter. Here's a couple cases, you know, let them know or here's whatever we can do to get, you know, leverage their networks and then like their networks, you know, go to their networks and stuff like that. Um, we've done very, very little paid traditional media advertising for magazines or um, newspapers or any of that. Um, you know, I think I can call them, I think maybe once or twice we've done that. Um, obviously, you got to stay current and do the whole social media thing and that dynamic and the the nuances and games there. So it's you know, now it's all about the, the micro influencers and what can you do to, you know, leverage their network, um, as opposed to going for the humongous, you know, celebrity or brand advocate or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just diversifying and getting a lot more smaller potentials um out there uh, on the plate than, you know, kind of going big and trying to spend you know, that big ad in a magazine or that big ad here or that big sponsorship or something like that. Um, you know, we just, we don't have the, the capital to, you know, to hang with the big boys there. Um, so we're always just, you know, doing what we can on a more guerrilla style level. Yeah. But I've always felt that that kind of third party endorsement, you know, from a qualified mm-hmm. person you know, or somebody yeah. that you, you know, follow or that you know or that you respect or that you, again, authentically believe is living that lifestyle and, and choosing that product is so much more impactful than just kind of the self-promotional mm-hmm. ad that anybody can just pay for in yep. a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that's where that authenticity piece comes in too, right? So um, circling back, it's, you know, people can feel it. They can connect to it. And when you can connect to it and feel it, whatever it is, the passion, you know, the food, the experience, then they get it. You know, it's tough to really tell that whole story when they're just on the shelf. And you, you do that as well. You try to, but, um, you know, that, that other connection really um, deepens that uh, relationship. Yeah, I just I just really like it, you know, that way. I think there's something about it. And, and you know, today I, I opened my mailbox and there's a nice little envelope from the guys at Revere, and it's got some samples in there of their mm-hmm. pre-workout and some information on their product. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know about it, but knew a trainer and a guy who I like who's, you know, in his 40s, balancing it all, guy that you kind of emulate, and he turns me on to it, tells me about it. They send a little stuff over. You know, you start to try it. No questions asked. They're not asking for anything, not looking for anything. If you like it, great. But it puts a little smile on your face, you know, and you mm-hmm. want to try it, and you want totally. to support them. You know, you want to like it. You can't love every single thing that comes in. You know, right. but objectively, if you like it and you're into it and you certainly like the, the approach, you're going to talk about it. You're gonna pr- you're gonna promote it. I just think mm-hmm. it's a it's just a cooler way of doing things. And again, mm-hmm. it's just got a greater stickiness, you know, to it. So uh, it's also a quick thank you to the guys at Revere for sending me this stuff, you know, right, <laughs> right now too, because I just 
I just like the style, you know? And yep, yep. If I'm tearing open a packet of Yum Butter, you know, post-workout or pre-workout or even in my office and I'm starving right now, you yep. know, totally. <laughs> at, at, at 3 o'clock and these days start at 5-something in the morning yep. and they don't end until 10, 11 o'clock at night, yep. people are asking questions. You know, yep. what are you doing to stay healthy? What are you doing yeah. to stay energized? Yeah. You know, what are you snacking on? What are you doing? And then you listen, you know, to people right. that you think right. kind of are – you know, leading by example a little bit exactly. in there. Yep. And and connecting those dots and those kinds of people, it it just feels it feels right and authentic and, and that kind of organic growth where you don't feel like you're you're placing a lot of product out there or you're kind of buying an audience as you said and then it's fickle. Mm-hmm. You know, and then right. it's just they'll move on to the next thing mm-hmm. that, that tries to outspend. You know? Mm-hmm. Or yep. you know, or market to them for that month, basically. Yeah. And I think a lot of times today, like there's so much coming at people. Um, I mean, we are hit thousands of times a day with some sort of external stimulus, you know, whether it's a, you know, something comes up on our Instagram feed or a billboard or advertising on the radio, or we're going through the grocery store and there's like the, all that stuff that hits us in the face. And so I think we almost tune a lot of it out. And so to really connect in with a, a message where it's not super cluttered, um, has a much greater chance of getting through. Um, and uh, and everyone's doing all the same, you know, stuff anyways in terms of trying the traditional route. Um, and it just gets more costly and more costly. And I think the return is just going down and down and down. So marketing in general is, is really interesting to watch right now. And I think it's going to continue to to morph at light speed in terms of what people are doing and what's working. Yep. Well, we could do we could do hours on marketing and how to yeah. not get distracted, um, you know, by the clutter. And as you said, you could open up your feed and see what a hundred other brands are doing, you know, and spend your entire days pivoting, you know, based on this mm-hmm. guy's doing this and these guys are doing that. And that is, that's a a fascinating topic, you know, for certain panels or times we can go back mm-hmm. back on that all the time uh, in there, but. I really, I want to thank you. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, um, no problem. One of my favorites, your approach and perspective on everything is uh, is really refreshing, great. And I'm a big, big fan of your product. And thanks to Eric for kind of connecting us on on this. So with that, I wanted to, hey, we want, wanted to keep it to an hour. We kind of did that. I'd love to do a part two and part three as you guys continue to grow. But yeah. Matt, thank you so much for being on the Midlife Mail podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much. I appreciate it, and uh, all the best. Thanks again. Hey, where can we find you, okay? Where can we find Yum Butter, your other products? Uh, tell us what's the best way to, to check out and support what you're doing. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so easiest way, you can head to yumbutter.com. Uh, we've got our full array of potions on there, uh, as well as uh, Amazon if you do the, the e-commerce route. Um, retail-wise, uh, available regionally at Whole Foods, um, Safeway, uh, some of the um, independent accounts, as well as Natural Grocers, Vitamin Cottage, um, Hy-Vee, Woodman's, uh, Wegman's. So you can find us um, all over. And if you do are looking for a specific store, um, we've got a store locator map on our website. But uh, easiest way, yumbutter.com, you can check it all out and get all the information you need. And uh, thank you again, and congrats on all your success. Yeah. I enjoyed this a lot. Awesome. Thanks so much, Greg. Have a great day. The Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheinman was presented by Inns Group Insurance. Inns Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit innsgroup.net.